Glad you're here. Glad you made the effort to be here. I want to remind you what a big deal it is, the opportunity we have together and to hear the truth of God's word and, and what an easy way it is to, to tell someone, to show someone the truth that we hold by just inviting them to our men's lunch. And so as you're going through this week, planning for next week, uh, you invite folks and encourage them to be here uh, as we come and study God's word. Today in our men's lunch, we're going to continue looking at the, the Bible-driven man and his home. That's a subject uh, we started last week. Today, we're going to look at the core of the home or the foundation of the home, and that is the institution of marriage. We're going to look at God's institution of marriage. Uh, be very sure today, uh, there is an all-out attack today on marriage. The, the world, and I believe it's clearly at Satan's leading, is waging an absolute war on God's institution of marriage. And you look today, you watch the landscape today, uh, marriage is being distorted, it is being disparaged, it is being devalued, it's given no value. And over and over and over again, we see this attack on God's institution of marriage. Well, the question starting off is this, why? Why does, why does Satan care about marriage? Why not, why not go and attack just straight up the gospel? Is this a gospel issue? Why does, why does the world care about marriage? Why are the courts with all the things going on, why are they taking up this attack against the institution of marriage? The, the question again is why? Well, let me tell you, here's the deal. Satan actually knows the great potential. He knows the, the negative impact on the world that comes when he destroys the truth of marriage. Satan is, is wise, he is very strategic, and he knows the profound impact, the negative impact that occurs when he destroys the truth of marriage. He knows the damage. He knows the potential destruction. And so a lot of times while we're sitting idly by or while we're focused on other things, this war is waging on the institution of marriage. Well, today we're gonna see from God's word the truth about God's institution of marriage. And I think that is the starting place. We need to be very sure of that. Uh, understand today, marriage is not man's idea. Sometimes we think, well, this was man's idea. Man did not come up with, with the idea, the concept of marriage. We didn't come up with this. Uh, surprise, lawyers didn't come up with this. They didn't sit around and say, well, this is a binding agreement we'll enter into. Marriage is not the concept, the idea of mankind. It is God's institution. And so that's the starting place. Marriage is God's institution. And so if we're going to understand what marriage is, what our responsibilities are in marriage, what the goal of marriage is, we're going to have to go to God himself and we're going to go to his word. This is not the creation of man. And so man really has no input. We're going to go to God himself and see what he says about his institution of marriage. Today we're going to see three things. And next week we're going to continue on this subject. But today we're going to see three things. The first thing we're going to see is the people of marriage. The second, we're going to see the plan for marriage. And then the third thing, the permanence of marriage. These three things, according to what God has said, the people of marriage, the plan for marriage, the permanence of marriage. Now, we're going to look at a set of verses today in Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, we, we see that the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, really it's pretty close to what's going on today, but we see that these Jewish leaders have made marriage really a negotiable thing. 
They've made marriage a thing that would be easy to dissolve or, or enter into divorce. Uh, they really made divorce a permissible thing. And so not a hard thing, not a high standard. They've made divorce a permissible thing, an easy thing, a, a quick thing that you can enter into. If you read, there's a, there's a Jewish rabbi, a very prominent uh, Jewish rabbi. He had died about 20 years uh, before the birth of Christ named Hillel. And, 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 and had a great influence on the teaching of, of Judaism at that time. Uh, this, this Jewish rabbi, uh, he said this, and these were his teachings, that a man could divorce his wife, here are some of the reasons, for talking to another man. So he found his wife talking to another man, he's free to divorce her. For taking down her hair in public. Actually, a written reason that you could divorce your wife, she took down her hair in public. Another reason, being infertile. If she couldn't have kids, and I don't know how they would at that time narrow it down to her, but if it was deemed to be her issue, he could divorce his wife. Here's one, actually, that he taught for burning the food or adding too much salt to, to a man's food. The official teaching of a Jewish rabbi is, you know what, you've come home and she's burned supper and the, and the beans are a little bit too salty, uh, you can divorce your wife. In fact, some of those teachings, he thought that you have to divorce your wife. You should divorce your wife. The, the noble thing is to divorce your wife. And so understand, in the time that this is, this is being taught, that Jesus is going to teach this, the truth of marriage has become a mess. Really, the, the, the guidelines for marriage have been distorted and marriage is a mess. You know what? You don't like how she cooks, you divorce her. You know what? Something's an issue for you, you divorce her. You know what? If you have a, a, a different issue that's not addressable, find one of these other ones and you can divorce her. The concept of marriage had become an absolute mess. Well, here in Matthew chapter 19, into that, Jesus is gonna teach. Now, they've tried to set a trap for Jesus on this particular subject, but into that context, into that mess of an idea about marriage, Jesus is going to speak in our verses today. Now, I'm going to read all of our verses today, uh, Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. I'm going to read all of those verses, and then I'll come back, and we'll, we'll break out those verses. Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. And he answered and said, Jesus did, and he answered and said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. All right, let's, let's look at those verses. The first thing we see from, from God's word, from God himself, we see the people of marriage. The people of marriage. Now let's look at verse four. It says this, have you not read? Have you not read? Now I want to tell you that's something we might miss, but Jesus, he uses God's word. Now Jesus is God himself. He's the word of God himself. But isn't it interesting that Jesus uses God's word? Have you not read? Now, you've got all your, your legal things that you've produced here, but have you not read? And he goes back to the Genesis account. He uses the, the word of God to define and to describe marriage. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male 
and female. Now, the Hebrew, the original language that he is quoting from, now it's in the Greek here, but he's quoting from the Old Testament. The Hebrew says this, that he made them the male and he made them the female. Now, we know that's talking about Adam and Eve. Did you not know from the beginning he made them the male, Adam, and the female, Eve? He's talking about Adam and Eve. Here's the deal here. The participants in marriage, according to what God has deemed from the very beginning, is one man married to one woman. That's what God has said. The the people that participate in marriage, it is the man, Adam, and the woman, Eve. It is one man and it is one woman who participate in marriage. It is not two men. It cannot be. It is not two females. It cannot be. It is one man and one woman who are the participants in marriage. Now also from the context, now remember he's quoting Genesis. From the context he is saying this, it was this man for this woman. Now there's not a lot of choice. There starts with Adam and Eve. But it's very, very specific. It is the man for the woman. Now what that means is this. It's not this woman with the possibility of all these men. It was that man and that woman. It's not this man with the possibility of several women. He didn't say, you know what? Adam, I've made you and seven females. It is this man and this woman, not a man with the possibility of many women. Anything else is not a marriage. It is between one woman and one man Anything else is not a marriage. Now, you can call it what you want. The Supreme Court can pass what they want. Anything else as defined by God himself is not a marriage. Those are the people, the participants in marriage. The second thing is this, the plan for marriage. What is God's plan for marriage? Look at verse five. And said, for this reason, what reason? He made him a male and a female, this one and that one. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, male and female, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother. The family unit that produced him shall leave the, 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 the family unit that produced him. Now, it's interesting, uh, when he's talking about Adam and Eve, There were no earthly parents. They were created by God uh, supernaturally. And so so this is really the precedent. This is what God is saying. Here's the foundation. From this point forward, a man shall leave the family unit that, that he is produced from, and he shall be joined to his wife. And the verse says, and the two shall become one flesh. Here is the plan for marriage. The man should leave his family the home that he was raised in, and he should be joined to his wife. What is the plan for marriage? That is the plan for marriage. And be joined to his wife. Some translations, uh, maybe you have a different translation in the Bible, and it says, and she'll cleave to his wife. Uh, That's really a pretty good word. And she'll cleave to his wife. The Greek word, the literal translation, is to be glued to his wife. That's what it literally means. To be cemented, cemented to his wife. To cling to his wife. 
God's plan, listen, his plan for the marriage is this, that we would leave the family unit that we're, we're produced from, that we would be cemented, joined, glued to our wives. And the two would become one flesh. Here's what that means. One flesh, one body, one organism. Here they were and they're two. And he, he came out of this home and she came out of this home. And there's these two individuals and they're two people. But in this marriage, they have become one unit, one organism. The word flesh, actually they've become one body. Where there was once two, now there is one. They are one body. Now, part of that is the sexual union in marriage, but this is talking about way more than that. Marriage is taking two and producing one. That's what a marriage is. That's, that's God's plan for marriage. Listen to me today. That is the foundation of the home. That is the bedrock of the home. That is the expectation of marriage. And so when the world comes along and says, it could be two men or it could be two ladies or it could be this man that leaves for this lady or this lady that's left for that man, it is a distortion of the foundation of the home. It is two who have become one and that is the plan that God sets in marriage. That is his plan. Now, the next week, next week, we're going to look at what that looks like. How do we live out that plan? How do we fulfill that plan? But, but that is the plan. Two have now become one body. God's plan for marriage. The last thing we're going to see today is the permanence of marriage. A very big deal. The permanence of marriage. Verse 6. So they are no longer two. This is what Jesus says. They're no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man in our marriages tear asunder. Let no man separate. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They are no longer two, but they're one flesh. Again, one flesh is one unit, one organism. One flesh, now here's, here's what he's saying here. One flesh is indivisible. That's what we have to understand. One flesh, you're not able to separate them any longer. Now let me give you a picture of this that, that helps me understand this. Two have become one flesh. One body, one unit. If you have a dog, and, and you love this dog, it's your favorite dog. And you know what? You decide one day, two of these dogs would be better. Or two pieces of this dog. Man, we'd have, double, we'd have double the blessing if we had two pieces of this dog. And so you decide one day, you know what, I want to separate this dog. And so here's your favorite dog. And you take that dog. It is one unit. It is one flesh. And you decide, you know what, I'm going to cut this dog in half. And I, I thought about this. You could cut it in half in the middle and say there's the front half and the back half. Or you could cut it down. You know, that's kind of ugly, especially if you were to get the back half. So you could cut it down the center, and you could have the left half and the right half. And so here's your beloved dog, and you know what? It would be better to have two of these things than one. And so we will separate this dog, and we cut it this way or we cut it that way, and there are now two pieces of this dog. Here's the problem with that. You know I have two pieces of a dead dog. In the same way, you have the marriage unit, 
And that unit is one flesh and it is now indivisible. It's not able to be separated. And if you cut that unit in half, you have two dead pieces of the same body, not two different bodies. Let me tell you something about divorce. Some of you can, can, can say that, you know what, I've been there. I believe divorce is as bad as death. I believe it's as ugly. I believe it's as painful. I believe you go home and you can't eat and your stomach's in a knot. And I believe there's resentment and there's anger and there's jealousy. And I think, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and I'm going to move on. And I'm going to get years down the road. And you know what, I've got to pick up her kids and my kids. And we have Christmas and we have weddings over here. And we have to wonder about, well, who's here and who's there and who's going to sit with who. Listen, it is not a good thing. It's two dead halves of the same one organism. It's never pretty. That, that is the picture here. It is no longer divisible. You cannot separate it. Then Jesus says this. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Very profound words. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Here's what I take from that, from that saying, that, that sentence that Jesus speaks. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Here's what I take from that. Marriage is the work of God. Divorce is the work of a man. What God has joined together, marriage is the work of God. Let no man separate. Divorce is always the work of a man. Here's what that is saying. Marriage is to be permanent. Marriage is to be permanent. It is to be one man and one woman joined together, one unit cemented together, clinging together forever. Marriage is to be permanent. Let me say this to you. And here's where we're messing up. Let me say this. That is a good thing. That is a, that is a great thing. That is a tremendous thing. We act like today, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a curse. Listen, that's not a curse. That's a blessing. Well, this old, this old ball and chain, this old woman at home, this is a bad thing. It's been 20 years and 30 years. You know what? This is a hard thing. Listen, it is not a hardship. It is not a curse. It is a blessing from God. It is a good thing. Sometimes we go around acting like, well, God's trying to punish me. Or God's trying to make me patient. Or God's trying to teach me something in the, the craziness of this marriage. Listen, it is a good, good, great thing that you could understand. My marriage is permanent. It is God's plan. The permanence of marriage is God's plan. Now, let me tell you why that's a good thing. I don't know if you figured this out, but people are pretty sorry sometimes. Life is kind of hard sometimes. People will stab you in the back sometimes. Life is, is stressful sometimes. And it is a blessing of God to be able to go to your house and say, you know what? I don't know about this and I don't know about my health and I don't know about my job and I can tell you, I don't know about my wealth. But on the authority of God, we are glued together and this thing is permanent. How you want to go through life? Well, did I mess up too bad? Well, she crossed the line. Is, is she going to be gone when I get home? Is this, is this going to be how it is? Is this going to be the end of it? Is this ever going to last? What are we going to do about the kids? That's no way to go through life. All the stress of life. Listen, there's not to be a stress here. It's the permanence that is the gift of God. Listen, I don't know about all this crazy stuff, but this thing is permanent 
as we are glued together in the power of God. Yes, it is work. Yes, it takes effort. Yes, the world tries to tear it apart. But you know what? It is a great thing that a marriage is permanent. You can breathe when your marriage is permanent. You can relax. You know what? I don't know how, how this day is going to end, but you know what's going to be permanent? This marriage is going to be permanent. You can breathe when your marriage is permanent. It is a good thing. Here's where we're screwing up. We're not teaching that. We're not teaching that. We're scared of that. We're scared. We're scared to tell a group of men, you know what? Your marriage is supposed to be permanent, brother. You don't get to run away. You don't have a bunch of other options. Your marriage is permanent. We're scared to say that. Well, that may hurt somebody's feelings. They might not come back to my church. Listen, God has spoken. He has set the expectation. You know what? It's a between a man and a woman. We're going to offend somebody if we say different. Listen, it's not two men. It's not two women. It's not a group of anybody. God has said it's a man and a woman. We don't have to be scared to say that. It is a blessing that he has defined a marriage to us. It is a blessing that it is a permanent thing. We're almost scared today to say, you know what? This is God's plan for marriage. Friends, let me just tell you, this is God's plan for marriage. This is God's plan for marriage. What if we've messed that up already? What if we've got issues in our marriage already? What if, what if some of us have already been divorced already? Let me tell you, here's the good news. We have a forgiving, gracious, kind God. We have a God that forgives. We, we're terrible sinners. We're all dumb as a rock. We have a gracious God who says, you know what, this, this was a sin, this wasn't the right thing, but he forgives sin. He sent his only begotten son to pay the penalty for sin. He will restore, he will renew. There's grace in our God. But you know what, as fast as I tell you that, we can go back to the truth that his plan still stands. He forgives, yes. He renews, yes. We mess up, yes. We confess it to him. He'll, he'll, he'll renew that, you know what? But the truth is this, in all things, his plan still stands. What that means is this. Wherever you're at today, you go back to his plan. Maybe you're here and your marriage is brand new. You go back to his plan. Maybe you're here and you've never been married and, and you're dating somebody or you're not dating somebody. You know what? You operate according to God's plan. Maybe you're here and your marriage is having trouble and you're sitting there thinking, you know what? I don't know about the work. I don't know about the effort and the hurt feelings. You go back to his plan. Maybe you're here and you're divorced and you've messed some stuff up. You know what? You ask God to forgive you and you go back to his plan. His plan still stands. It is an awesome blessing that we have the plan of God. Glad you were here today. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Somebody's phone kept ringing. I bet it was their wife calling. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, and I'm thankful for you. And I'm thankful that as, as dumb as we are, as messed up as we are, you forgive us any sin. We just tell you, Lord, I've sinned. We, we agree with you about our sin. The Bible says you say you're faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we've gathered on this Thursday, whatever we've done, the wickedness of our heart, the craziness of our thoughts, the evilness of our actions, if we'll confess it, we can leave here today forgiven, walking in a right relationship with you. I'm thankful for that. Lord, I pray for our homes. I pray for the fruit of our homes, our kids.
I pray for men here that are granddads and, and some that may be great granddads, some that are, that are gonna be dads, some here that are not married, some that are just getting started. I pray that all of us here today would say, God's truth still stands and his truth is a blessing and we will return to your truth. God, help us in that. Lord, I pray for our marriages today. I pray for my marriage today. I pray for my wife today. I pray for the, the wives of the men in this room today. I pray for the men that we would be who we're supposed to be. And I pray as we walk out here today with whatever issue we have, we'd understand marriage is to be permanent. It is not a curse, it's a blessing. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.